Again, it's really good to see you all this morning, and um, I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles with me, and uh, to open up your Bibles to John's Gospel and, uh, and the fifth chapter. Terrence preached last week on the first, uh, on the first 18 verses, and then I'm going to pick it up, repeat verse 18, and take us down um, to verse 29. Uh, this is the Lord Jesus. This is what the text reads. It says, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill Jesus, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than those will, than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Who does not, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who've done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father, I ask you now that you would make the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. I want to say uh, this morning, this is one of the most remarkable passages um, in any of the Gospels, and in particular in John's Gospel, because here what we're actually learning about is Jesus' is Jesus's deity in his own words. Now here's the backstory. Jesus was in Jerusalem. And Terrence covered this with us last, last week. He was in Jerusalem, and he healed a man who had not walked for 38 years. And he told the man to take up his, his mat and to go. This was the mat he'd been lying on. And when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem saw this man picking up his mat, because it was the Sabbath... They accused him of breaking the Sabbath because picking up your mat was work. Pretty heartless. Because in essence, the message was, it'd be better if you were still lame 
than to have broken the Sabbath. He said he was only doing what the man who'd healed him told him to do. And they said, well, who is that? He said, I'm not sure. Jesus came back to him. Actually, I think in, in his defense, he identified himself to the man. The man told the Jews. And when the Jews learned that the man who healed him was Jesus, they turned on Christ. Who does he think that he is to tell someone to do work on the Sabbath, let alone to heal someone on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered. He said, my father is working until now, and I am working. John tells us what the result of that was in verse 18. He says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. He was not only a Sabbath breaker, he was a blasphemer. And here is the crucial point. Jesus could easily have sidestepped their accusation altogether. That he was making himself equal with God. He could so easily have disputed the Jews' understanding of the Sabbath and what work was forbidden. And, and, and he did that in the Gospels, in Matthew, when he, was in, when he was up in Galilee, but not here. When he's accused of making himself equal with God, he does not, he does not deflect the accusation away from him. He does not deny that the accusation is true. He defends the truth of it, and he does that vigorously because he is the truth. And this is the truth about him. And so at this point, Jesus clearly makes himself the issue. Not what he does, not when he does it. Because it is Jesus, Jesus who is the issue in our eternal salvation. When I read this passage, I think of it this way. Here was the trial before the trial when Jesus was crucified two and a half years later. Here was the confrontation that set the stage for the confrontation that was going to come. And Jesus begins his testimony by doubly repeating the word that the Jews used to end their prayers. He begins by saying, Amen, Amen. Truly, truly, your ESV translates it. This was not prayer, but it was said at the beginning of Jesus' words as that his words were a revelation from God and not prayer to God. He says in verses 19 and verse 20, verse part A, the first part of that verse, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Now let's understand what, what, what Jesus is doing here in speaking this way. Jesus, in essence, is saying, here is how I am equal with God. His equality with God does not mean what the Jews assumed it to mean. 
his equality with God does not mean what many people are not Christians, certainly Muslims think equality with God, Jesus' equality with God must mean. It did not mean that Jesus was another God. It did not mean that Jesus was a rival or even a potential rival to God, but quite entirely the opposite. First, Jesus testifies that, that he is completely and utterly dependent on God. And he puts this in the negative when he says the son can do nothing of his own accord. He has no authority. He has no independence apart from God. He is not another deity. But secondly, he testifies that he completely submits to God. And he puts this in the positive. He says, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but the son can do only what he sees the father doing. So he's saying, what Jesus is saying is that he's completely subject to God, and not only subject to God, but he's completely submissive to God's will. He is not a rival. He is not another God, and he is not a rival in any way. And thirdly, he testifies that God has entrusted all his works to him for whatever, listen to that, for whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Jesus is not some you know, divine worker B, some lesser divine being to whom God assigns, you know, lesser tasks. Whatever the Father does, the Son does. Whatever. Now that raises the question, does it? I mean, it seems like God's giving away all of his rights as God. It seems like God's giving away all of his advantages as God to, to Jesus. He withholds none of his works from his son to do. I don't know if you've ever um, heard this or you've ever said this, but many times over the years that I've been a Christian, and I've heard Christians say, I don't understand why everyone is not a Christian. In fact, I've said it myself, and I, I, I assume you said it, I don't know why everyone is not a Christian. And that's understandable that we say that because we're so delighted with Christ. We're so grateful for mercy and forgiveness, but if we just step back a step from our own enjoyment and our own deep satisfaction with Christ, we know why everyone is not a Christian. Jesus comes and presents himself as God, as God in the flesh, and he defends that, and it is counter to every culture in the world including crass paganism in which anything, this microphone could be a god. It's counter to all of it. The next verse, 20, it answers this question of how all this can be. That whatever God does, Jesus does. That God has entrusted him with 
with everything. And this is the fourth point, the fourth phrase in the statement that I read. For the Father loves the Son. Can you say that with me? For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Equality with God is not something that can be grasped. Where do we find that in the Bible? Somebody knows. Philippians 2. It cannot be grasped by any creature. Equality with God cannot be assigned to any created thing. But full equality with God is something that God can bestow and that he has bestowed on his son as the expression of his love. It's about love. You know, this is Father's Day, right? Yeah. You know, I'm a father. Very proud, very happy to be a father. And I want all my sons to know, and I want all my daughters to know everything that I know. I want them to do and be able to do whatever I can do. Because I love them, and they are of me. I want others to show them respect, the same respect that they show me, because I love them, and they are of me. When Jesus grew up as a little boy in, in uh, Nazareth, you know, Joseph, his father, carpenter, taught him to be a carpenter. He taught him everything he knew, he had him use his tools. He had him work with wood. He had him work with stone. Why? Because he loved him. And I guess I can't completely say he was of Joseph, but you do understand the bond of family and being that they shared. It's true. It's true. I do not see my children as a rival except in croquet and poker. And my children uh, share my, my will. They do everything I ask of them, except for evening chores and submission or doing dishes as they grew up or going to the, taking out the garbage. Yeah. I share everything with my children except for A&W Root Beer and the remote control. I mean, there is an analogy here, but the analogy falls short of the reality above God and, and Jesus, and we're going to move on into that. But at the same time that God does all this, he's given all these, um, his prerogatives in that sense to his, his son in terms of his works, and he's done this from all eternity. At the same time, the son embraces this equality as a matter of what we would call sonship. Jesus completely identifies with the father's will and with the father's works, 
because he completely identifies with a father. This is how he loves God in return. So though they are equal, the relationship between them is not reciprocal. Though they love each other, in other words, it is not exactly in the same way. You you would never say the father can do nothing of his own accord but only what he sees the son doing. You would never see that, say that. It's the son who does nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. You would, you would never, ever say, whatever the son does, the father says, does likewise. No, it's whatever the father does, the son does likewise. While there's mystery here, there's also great beauty, and it's clear beauty. It's the beauty of, of pure love, and it's love that makes sense. It is love that makes sense of who Jesus is in relation to the Father. And that love on the part of the Father is expressed in authority that elevates. And that love is expressed by the Son in submission that elevates because it's of love. Both. In fact, it is this relationship of the father with the son that makes sense of what love is. Now, let me just say this. It's not only that love makes sense of who Jesus is in relation to God. It is who Jesus is in relationship to God that makes sense of love. It is this relationship that is the origin of love from within God's very being. All love is an expression of their love. The entire creation proceeds from their love for each other. The creation of man as male and female proceeds from their love for each other. Life is the expression of their love for each other. Our salvation proceeds from their love for each other. Eternity with God is our full participation and incorporation into their love for each other. It really is about the deep, deep love of the Father for the Son and the Son for the Father. And no philosopher will come up with that. No logician will come up with that. No person out of their human imagination or thinking or rationality will come up with that. Jesus is defending the fact that he is equal with God and this is what it means. Not what men or people presume it to mean. Not what they think it means. This is really what it means. You know, earlier I said... Jesus made himself the issue. And he did that because he is the issue in our eternal salvation. Think with me about this. God sent his son to reveal himself, God. Our eternal destiny turns on whether we receive him or we refuse him. Because he is God's son, after all. He is God's son. And while Jesus' relationship to his father is one of dependence, 
It is one of submission. It is one of obedience. His relationship in relation, in, 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 um, excuse me, his relationship to us is one of absolute authority. It is one of full equality with God. It's for us to entrust ourselves to him as he entrusts himself to the Father. That's the truth. It's who Jesus is. And these words that I'm saying today, they're not just, they're not just thoughts. They're, they are a reality. And Jesus underscores that. That what he's saying is reality. For after saying the Father shows him all that he himself is doing, Jesus goes on in verse 20, and he declares this. He says, and greater works than these the healings and so forth, up to that early point in Jesus' ministry, and greater works than these will the Father show him so that you may marvel, so you're provoked to reflect and to think about this. You're either going to be offended by it or you're going to become a worshiper as a result of that. The things that the Father had the Son do we're in order to get your attention, not for you to be passive about or indifferent about, but to really consider, is this so or is this not? Greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all Judgment. Can you say that with me? All judgment? All judgment. What a stupendous statement. He's given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Jesus underscores that when he'd earlier said, the Father shows, shows him all his works, he really meant it. Yes, there were those miraculous signs to date, but they were, the only be- they were only the beginning of what Jesus was going, to, was going to do and what the world was going to witness. He would raise the dead, spiritually and physically. He would give them life, and he will judge all humankind. And that son, God's son, who will judge all, all mankind. He is the one who assumed our judgment for us. That same son who gives life is the one who gave his life for us. That son to whom the father has given the work of raising the dead is the one who also died and died for us. You see, that son is our savior and God has sent us his son that we would receive him and the gift of salvation. That's why he sent his son. Jesus says the father gives these works to the son so that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. And so 
going back to Philippians 2, as some of you were Johnny on the spot to notice earlier, the day really is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that will be to the glory of God the Father, not at his expense, but to his glory. Christian faith in Christ, our worship of him, and our stubborn insistence that he is equal with God was not born of church councils that framed the doctrine of the Trinity over 300 years after his death and his resurrection. No. That's not why we stubbornly insist that he's equal with God. But rather, our honoring of the Son, of Jesus, in these ways is our reasonable response to the ways that God has honored his Son. We are following God in how he honored his Son when we honor his Son also. And we understand, as Christians, we understand that if the Son does all the works of the Father, if the Father has shown him everything that he does, and the Son does everything that the Father does, it, is only be, it can only be because he shares the very essence and the very being of his Father. Only God is greater than the laws by which he governs his creation. And only God is greater than the commands by which he orders mankind to live, the Ten Commandments. So that really only God is able to work miracles on the Sabbath, which Jesus did. Only God has life in himself that he can impart life and actually raise the dead, which Jesus does. Only God has such knowledge and power to judge all that he has made, which Jesus will do. So what I'm saying to you this morning is that Jesus' complete submission in doing all of God's will testifies to his deity too. It confirms his claim that he is the son, not just the son of man. He is the son of God and God is his father. In defending his equality with God, we've read it. And I hope you see and agree. Jesus employed no trickery, no sleight of hand language. And what's more, his words are completely without presumption. His defense is so beautiful. It is so excellent. It is so inspiring. Because it is God's truth. And it has divine power 
to change people's lives forever, to bring you to faith in Christ. And I say to you so simply that faith in Christ is life with God. Jesus put it this way. Truly, truly, he used that introduction again. This is revelation, not a prayer. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. That's why Christ made himself the issue because he is the issue in our eternal salvation. God's son is your savior. He is your savior. Let's pray together. Father, there's, there is, without a doubt, mystery in what we read. It is revelation from you. It is not of man. It is not earthy. It is not earthly. It's not tricky. It's not presumptuous. It's, it's magnificently beautiful and wonderful. speaks to our hearts and the mortality of our life. It lifts us up and it gives us life. It brings us into fellowship with you. This is possible. This is your intention that we would know you. That's why you've sent him to us. Not just to know about you, but to know you. And what is faith in God? It is faith in Christ. Is not something cosmic and irreducible and no, it's something specific and beautiful and concrete. Our judge is the one who took judgment for us. The giver of life is the one who gave his life for us. The one who raises the dead is the one who rose from the dead for us after he died for us. And we need him. And we thank you for him. And we praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for your amazing grace. And may we worship you in spirit and in truth. And realize this truth is not spring from the church, but the church sprang from it. Amen.